of course, like many dreamers, wanted to eventually start a company, but didn't necessarily know what that, that looked like. Right. Um, and like many entrepreneurs, suddenly as I was having my first child faced a problem I wanted to solve. Um, that's essentially where it, where it came, where the idea for Retycle came from is that I at that point had, uh, I think Henry was a few months old, maybe five months, six months old, had at least a hundred items of outgrown clothes. Right. Uh, and we've all been there. Yeah. So yeah. a closet full of clothes that you just can't believe that you barely got on them or <laughs> didn't at all. Yeah. Um, and so wanted to create a solution around recirculation. Welcome back or welcome to the bridge breakthrough podcast. I'm your host, Scott Taylor. Every episode, I sit down with inspirational change leaders from around the world to better understand both what they're doing and how we can all create positive change in ourselves, our families, our organizations, and the wider world that we all share. I hope this series will inspire you, challenge you, and encourage you to be the positive change that you're looking to see in the world. This episode, I sit down with Sarah Garner. Sarah is the founder of Retycle, which is an innovative luxury resale e-commerce platform enabling parents to buy designer children's clothing at a fraction of their retail price. Uh, Sarah is also a fellow Canadian from the East Coast of Canada, living here in Hong Kong. She's a mother of two uh, with an avid appetite for travel. What I love about this conversation with Sarah is that we really delve into her journey of what brings her here to now, running her own business, but also through that experience, well, how it's shaped, how she looks at leadership, how she reacts and engages with change, and, and really how, how it's shaped um, how she runs her business. And fascinating, fascinating business it is. Wonderful guest and just really happy to have Sarah to the podcast. So without further ado, Welcome back to the show. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to have this chat. I know it's a long time in, in the making. We've been going back and forth, and we're super excited to have you on the, on the podcast. Um, for our listeners, I mean, I've just done an intro to kind of briefly share who you are, but maybe in your own words... Um, who are you? What's going on going on in your world before we kind of check in? Um, who am I? <laughs> that's, a bit, that's a rather <laughs> large question, but um, I would say presently I, I would identify as a mom of two, um, a boy who's five and a girl who's three, uh, a business owner, um, wife, and um, very avid family member of my distant family in Canada and friend to uh, friends here and afar. So yeah, that would that would be my my summary of the who I am. <laughs> so just a couple things. Just a couple <laughs> things. I love whenever parents kind of fit in. Oh, and I'm a parent and I'm doing all of this other amazing work. So we're both Canadian. Where, where in Canada are you from again? I'm from the East Coast. I'm an East Coaster, Toronto. Okay. <laughs> and I'm a West Coaster. So here we go. Meeting, meeting in Hong Kong. Lovely. Um, well, so as we've done in previous episodes, what I'd really love to do with you is just kind of take a moment to check in. We really, really believe at Bridge uh, the importance of getting present and kind of grounding ourselves and with everything that's going on in the world and running from place to place as Hong Kong, I guess, loosens up our social distancing. Um, 
yeah, just to get grounded and then before we have our chat. So I guess I'll go first. Like a model will go, uh, how are we feeling? And um, yeah, what are we looking to get out of this conversation? Maybe? How does that sound? Sure. Okay. I, yeah. Yeah. Are you gonna model I'll go first. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No worries. Um, so I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm always feeling a bit nervous before any podcast interview. Um, but it's a good nervous. It's like a gut feeling excitement. I'm also feeling a little hot. I'm feeling tired. It's been a long week. It's Friday here. Um, and, but also very grateful for, um, I've, I've been talking to a lot of friends and family and, and almost having like a bit of Hong Kong shame, if, if that makes sense mm -hmm. of like how we are able to move around and get back to normality. And, um, so just feeling very grateful for, for having the space to, um, take my kids out and go into the hills and do all the things that I know other people around the world are not able to do yet. Um, the intention, what I'd love to get out of this interview today is just a real natural conversation around your wonderful business, hear more, understand how that uh, has come to fruition and maybe dig a bit deeper into the why. Um, at Bridge, we do a lot of work around purpose, and I'd just love to know where the, the idea came from and where the, where the bigger idea lies with a, an amazing idea like Retycle, and um, we'll go from there. Cool. All right, I'm going to do my first check-in. Oh, awesome. <laughs> okay. um, I am feeling out of breath because I ran here. <laughs> I'm feeling hot because it's very humid outside. Um, I would say I normally feel nervous, but I mostly feel happy and excited. Um, Scott and I have been trying to meet for quite a while, so I'm just happy to uh, meet him. And also, I always feel at ease with fellow Canadians. <laughs> um, and I would say just generally, but particularly today, I'm feeling very present. Um, because I think one of the silver linings with COVID is that uh, I'm really trying to take every day as it comes. Um, and in terms of intention for the conversation, um, mostly just having, having a good chat and uh, feeling very grateful that we can do it in real life, um, which is a blessing at the moment, uh, given all that's going on. Wonderful, yeah. Okay, well, here we are. Well, let's have a chat then. Um, so the Bridge Breakthrough Podcast, it's all around talking to change makers in the world, creating positive change. Um, very much so, I believe that the work that you're doing with Retycle is, um, is doing that. So I'd love to, before we get into kind of the, the business and change and all of that, I kind of, I'm, I'm listening to this podcast right now, um, Finding Mastery by Dr. Michael Gervais, I believe. Um, and in it, he always interviews, or not always, but often talks to his guests around, you know, if you could chunk your life up into like chapter headings, and maybe you can tell a bit about each chapter that kind of got us to now, because there's always such an amazing story behind I, every entrepreneur that I've talked to, uh, anyone that's kind of out there trying to make a positive change in the world. There's a lot of series of events that mm -hmm leads you to where you are now it just doesn't happen overnight so a cole's book note uh 
kind of version of that of how, how have you ended up in Hong Kong mm -hmm. kind of um, and you can start as far back okay. as you want. Yeah. So, we'll go sure. That. No, it's interesting that you say that in terms of chapters because um, I actually do think of life that way and um, and do especially with kids I think you start to bucket in terms of age and time time stands still a little bit more when you can see your kids progressing um, so uh, where to go back to um, I, I grew up in Canada uh, in Toronto spent uh, all my life there but my parents traveled a lot we traveled as a family a lot uh, and they loved to travel. It was when they were at their happiest was uh, any time we were traveling as a family. And so uh, I think that that plays a very large role in your uh, ambition to be a participant as a global uh, uh, community member in future. And for me, it certainly did. It sort of got into my veins and I always wanted to see more of the world. Um, and so uh, the opportunity came up to finish uh, my school, my high school in Switzerland. So I moved there when I was uh, 17 uh, on my own. Um, and then that sort of carried on that, that desire to keep moving, keep traveling. And um, I had never really thought about this in full detail, but actually it led to my career decision, uh, which was in fashion because actually what was a driving force in what I wanted to do in life was to make sure that I was paid to travel. <laughs> and so uh, I ended up uh, finding out uh, that if you became a buyer, uh, oh. you would end up on an airplane and uh, in very uh, desired locations around the world um, and paid for it. And so I did uh, choose my studies um, based on getting into a program in New York uh, to become a buyer. So I um, chose to be an economics and commerce major because that was required as a prerequisite for the, um, the buying internship. So I moved to New York uh, when I was 20. What uh, would the New York chapter be called? Maybe. Um, Sex in the City. <laughs> <laughs> because that was very much the show of the time right. and we were all trying to emulate yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. show. Um, so yeah, and I... I um, so you went from sleepy Switzerland. Yeah, sleepy Switzerland. Straight into uh, New York full independence at a young age to um, to living in New York and uh, from there sort of solidified the desire to be in the industry. Um, I really loved product. I did find the industry very uh, exciting mm -hmm. and uh, and then I moved back to Canada after uh, university and worked for Holt Renfrew which is uh, Canada's sort of premier luxury mm -hmm. um, department store and uh, lived out the dream of traveling a lot. So I was in New York about every second week, um, uh, traveling a lot and, um, and learning the ropes. Basically, that was my first uh, real corporate um, job and worked there for three years. Uh, and then uh, I think as many people do, I, I've always paid attention to what I feel, um, maybe this is a bad word to say, but envious of. And I, at that point, was seeing a lot of friends who had taken um, travel periods or were working abroad. And every time I saw their pictures, I felt envy. Mm. And uh, I always think that if you feel that feeling, then you should look at your life and think about what you can do to, um, to change and to pursue. I'm pausing there. Where, when you think of envy, where do you feel that? I mean, I do a lot of work with men. We were talking yeah. about like the men's emotional health. 
does it come up in your body yeah you it's a physical it? it's a physical where response. would that live for you like, stomach in the stomach yeah yeah, yeah. you're just like oh i just wish i yeah and yeah. and often um, especially at a young age when you don't have things like kids holding you back you you can make um, act on, act on, yeah. on those feelings yeah. And so I did. I just um, fashion was booming in China at the time. It was the center of, of fashion, and there was no stop to the the growth. It seemed, and um, I took an interest in being closer to China. And of course, without Chinese, uh, Hong Kong was the closest that I could come. Right. Uh, and also, someone senior at Holt Renfrew had moved to Lane Crawford, so it was on my radar. Um, I had some industry contacts, but ended up just moving here with three suitcases, uh, no job, <laughs> and uh, had thought if it didn't work out, I'll move back. And if three it, suitcases packed with clothes, packed with clothes, yeah, <laughs> uh, ready to start the adventure. And figured either I would go back or I would stay for one year, as right. typically expats do. You come mm -hmm. with a very short uh, time horizon. And uh, that began the next chapter of, of life, which was uh, living abroad and mm. uh, living in Hong Kong. And I did end up landing a job at Lane Crawford. So uh, I worked for them for two years um, and still sort of pursuing the, the dream at the time, which was to be able to travel a yep. lot. So I was in Milan, Paris, London, New York uh, every every few weeks yeah. um, and uh, that was a lot of fun in my 20s mm -hmm. and uh, and of course was really um, on the front lines of, of fashion um, and then uh, I, I just sort of grew tired of the front lines I suppose you could say and I wanted to um, become more of an expert in things like inventory management and sort of the nuts and bolts of how the okay. the fashion industry operates. And where did that change happen? How did it was it gradual over time? Was it just a general in, inquiry into like more of the running the business than Yeah, I think um, for me uh, the way I positioned my career was that I always wanted uh, to be learning. I just always want to be learning and uh, as soon as I feel as though I've I've got a certain level of mastery I want mm. to move to something else where I feel uncomfortable and um, and like a beginner essentially and for me Lang Crawford was learning the local culture uh, the different preferences of Chinese consumers versus uh, non-Chinese mm. consumers um, and and of course just getting my feet on the ground in a completely new new place but otherwise it was quite familiar to me in terms of job scope to what I had been doing before so I wanted to throw myself into a different part of the industry and and throw myself back into learning yeah um, so I moved away from what would be really the twinkly dazzling fashion world into um, a company called DFS yeah um, well, they, they run the the duty freeze? Yeah, so right. it's all travel retail, right. global, global right. Tra travel retail. Uh, not a name company name most people know, but um, mm. spent a couple of years there, uh, and um, I think it was a period where I was dating my then my now husband, <laughs> uh, and uh, and I had more time in Hong Kong, so mm. I wasn't traveling quite as as much. Um, achieved a certain level of mastery there in terms of what I was doing and missed product, missed creativity um, and wanted to learn again and so uh, I ended up moving to Shanghai Tang uh, and I ran uh, everything from product development design 
merchandising planning, the whole gamut of basically product inception through to end of life. Um, and that was a great experience because it was very creative. Uh, I had a lot of autonomy to, um, to run the business and um, yeah, it was a, a great experience. Uh, then became a mom shortly after leaving the the company, and therein lies another chapter. Yeah. <laughs> um, and had had also just recently been been married. Um, so uh, flipped the page in terms of what was next in terms of career, mm. and was looking at either pursuing a more senior position in something similar to what I had been doing in a corporate environment, or taking a pause. And um, for me, just stop me if I'm rambling at any point, but uh, uh, for me, I didn't feel like a natural mom. It didn't, wasn't something that I felt I was going to be good at mm. or that came uh, naturally to me. And so I really wanted to sit with the idea of becoming a mom mm. um, and enjoy the pregnancy and enjoy the sort of uh, becoming stage. And so I very conscientiously turned down the next uh, corporate opportunity and just decided to take chapter be a mom. <laughs> and um, so I had grown up to two entrepreneurial parents. So around, so your parents are entrepreneurial, yeah. travelers, yeah. And all, some themes around. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, I and actually quite an entrepreneurial family yeah. overall and uh, and a lot of women uh, achievers in my in my family and I think I always felt that I would eventually run either a company of my own or someone else's and that's what I was working towards in the corporate world um, and I, I of course like many dreamers wanted to eventually start a company but didn't necessarily know what that that looked like um, and like many entrepreneurs suddenly as I was having my first child faced a problem I wanted to solve um, that's essentially where it where it came where the idea for Retycle came from is that I at that point had uh, I think Henry was a few months old maybe five months six months old had at least a hundred items of outgrown clothes right. uh, and we've all been there yeah so yeah. a closet full of clothes that you just can't believe that you barely got on them or <laughs> didn't at all yeah. um, and so wanted to create a solution around recirculation and I at that same time, I guess, right after having Henry, I had this, and I think a lot of parents do, just this feeling of questioning purpose and questioning uh, my role as it pertained to his future. And, and, and you're, I think for most parents, you, your, your sort of outlook goes from your lifetime to your children's lifetime, and it extends by 80 years or 100 years in terms of outlook, mm -hmm. and then you start to often uh, question what your participation is in, in that future outlook, and that's what happened to me, is that I suddenly had sort of this uh, lengthening, but also mm -hmm. uh, recognition that what I had been doing and what I had loved in terms of my career uh, no longer felt fulfilling in terms of a larger objective. Right. And so, it was a confluence of things, but basically, um, I had an, 
an immediate problem that I wanted to solve and yeah. basically in speaking to many other moms because I was a very active um, mom participant at the, at the time in terms of everyone I was interacting with, everyone was facing the same pain point. Mm. Um, there was lots of exchange happening uh, in terms of clothes or any sort of secondhand item, but it wasn't being done efficiently and it, it wasn't uh, being done in a way that really uh, felt good for, for most people. Mm. Um, Interesting. I mean, we'll pause there before we get into retangle. Um, I'd love to like rewind a bit. There was something really interesting that you said around um, always wanting to learn and that sense of feeling uncomfortable mm -hmm. and really like in that. Um, I mean, a big part of what this podcast is around is around change and um, again, change within yourself, within your community organization or society. I'm just, I'm curious where where that came from, that desire um, to step into that discomfort again, by the sounds of it, again and again and again. Um, was there any inspiration? Where do you, like, what inspires you in your own personal change journey? Is it the, you're pro seeing your parents maybe go through a part of a journey? Are there any other figures or influences there? Uh, I just think change propels growth. Mm -hmm. I, I just think I always feel that whenever I whenever I change something significant in my life, I always feel like I've grown and um, just enables a larger perspective and uh, develop empathy because you learn something mm -hmm. new or a new environment, new people. Um, I don't think I'm the world's most adaptable person, but I do like that, um, that challenge of having to be adaptive and um, I think it's quite the opposite in terms of my parents lived in the same, have lived in the same house since I was born, right. uh, had the same office the entire time. My life was very uh, stable. Mm. And so I'm not exactly sure where it came from, but I do like the, I, I do like that constant sort of um, discomfort with, uh, with change and adaptation I think he, I, I feel comfortable knowing that there's always a next, uh, next so have you I mean I'm, yeah there's just a curiosity of did you learn to get comfortable with the discomfort or have you always been that's kind of just been an innate nature of you um, trying new things or is there any kind of maybe advice or suggestions even there for, for listeners to those curious uncomfortable to step into that discomfort yeah. do you have a process yeah. or anything no that I think I think it's just to keep trying because I'm I'm naturally mm. inter introverted okay. um I so in terms of change and moving and always going to a new office environment or whatnot would go I guess a little bit counter to my personality type um but I think the more you try things that you feel uncomfortable with the mm. more comfortable you get with them sure. I'm sure the first podcast that I did or the first in-person interview I would have felt butterflies and un discomfort and uh, very nervous and now I don't because you the more you do something the the yeah. more comfort you get and then I'll probably want to do a podcast hanging out of an airplane or something I don't know but um no I think um I think a lot of it is just uh keep trying things you're uncomfortable with until they feel comfortable and then do something else that feels uncomfortable <laughs> yeah okay so it's kind of yeah and it's more is it more just finding the opportunities kind of seeking those opportunities proactively have you found that you've had to really put yourself out there to be in the moment 
to experience that change or has change come to you? No, I just, I listen to boredom. So that's my big, my big impetus to change, I guess, is, uh, am I bored? And if I'm bored, then I need to seek change. That's, 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 it's very basic, but that's what I listen to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. Okay. And so, and I'm sure there's lots of other interesting chapters and I, I am curious. I think there is something, you know, when we meet people, uh, for the first time, uh, the, the history of kind of what gets us to this moment and what we're known for now paints a, a fraction of, of the actual picture of what's gotten us here. So thank you for taking us through that journey. I'm, uh, it's very interesting. So with Retycle, maybe for our listeners, um, you can share a bit of what it is. And then I'd love to know from what it is, you, you briefly were touching on the why, mm-hmm. um, how you went from not just recognizing the acute need of being a parent and, and having that, but then, you know, how has it influenced your bigger why? And mm-hmm. why do you do what you do? Um, nice, easy so, question. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> what it is basically is um, Retickle is an online platform for recirculating your secondhand items. So it, technically it's a e-commerce platform mm-hmm. uh, to make parents' lives simpler and, and to exchange and put, the, put items that you no longer need in the hands of others that, that do. Um, and the... Uh, Has Maria Kondo had an influence of what you do? Did you see a spike after the? Uh, yeah, we did. In fact, yeah, that was yeah. People started cleaning out <laughs> yeah. more, and I think um, she has a she had a really profound impact. I think globally uh, on on how people think about what they need. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there was a big missing ingredient in in what she was professing in the um, absence of what to do with your items in their afterlife, basically. Right. don't think she really addressed that well Stack enough. it in a big pile. <laughs> yeah, and then get rid of it. Sure. And, um, mm-hmm. and so what we're trying to address, and I think what we've been successful at is changing in a small, small way um, people's mindsets around uh, consumption, what they buy, uh, what they're going to do it after their temporary use. So I, I find um, the nature of what we're doing um, really useful, obviously, because everything that a child touches, whether on their body or otherwise, is temporary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just uh, just addressing the fact that my whole career was in adult fashion, uh, which I think if you're going to address a sustainable wardrobe, it's buy something high quality that you love and keep it in your closet for as long as possible and and wear it as often as possible. Um, But for kids' clothing, there's a complete absence of that uh, possibility. Mm -hmm. And uh, so therefore, the circularity is really um, pivotal in terms of creating creating a sustainable solution. Um, So I I guess the why is... um, I I've had spent my whole career in fashion and um, and knew the system was broken, didn't necessarily know that I was going to be part of the solution or didn't necessarily endeavor to do that after having a child. But um, but ultimately uh, the idea came because I was facing the problem and um, and then I, it just felt so purposeful. I guess was the the reason that I was driven to. Um, to do it and and continue to do it and I'm not bored of doing it yeah and I think um, yeah just to tie in with the learning is that when when you do go down down an entrepreneurial path um, you 
you can't really, or at least not in the growth stage, achieve mastery. I and mean, you're constantly in a state of, of needing to learn the next thing. And the bigger your company gets, uh, the, the bigger and different challenges mm. um, come up. So I think you're in a constant state of evolution once you're, once you're running a, a growth stage Absolutely. company. And let's come back to that, because I'd be really fascinated to kind of talk more of the journey, your journey into entrepreneurialism, leading. So it's much, you know, like you said, you've always wanted to lead a business, mm -hmm. whether it was someone else's or your own. I'd love to revisit that. Um, before we do, looking through your website and kind of trying to understand more of Retaikal as well, I came across that you have a, a community as well that you've you've built. Like uh, on the website, you talk about the community mm -hmm. that you have. Could you speak more about that and the uh, and kind of the challenges, the joys that, yeah. that have gone into building yeah. community. Yeah, the very core to uh, starting Retechle basically was mm. um, parents need a tribe. Uh, you cannot do it alone. You, uh, particularly at the early stages, really need to lean on, on mm. other parents to, to get through and to learn from one another. Um, and I really felt that we were providing a service, something that would help your life as a, as a parent as part of the community is just feeling as though we're helping one another through uh, recirculation, mm -hmm. uh, but also, and, and just equally as importantly, um, secondhand was always viewed uh, with some level of stigma. Uh, there was always, uh, whether in any part of the world, basically thrifting or buying secondhand was right. seen as something that you did if you didn't have the means to buy firsthand or uh, or, or or there's also cultural stigmas in Chinese uh, totally. culture that uh, the spirit of the previous owner carries forth with the the item of clothing and could cause bad luck so um, there were stigmas and so one of the the reasons that we built uh, community very early on was to try and delve into the feeling of pride. Um, so to switch that feeling of maybe shame or um, uh, shame, basically, uh, into something that you could feel proud of shopping secondhand, uh, both for that exchange with other parents and helping other parents, but also, of course, primarily because of the environmental impact that yep. you have through uh, recirculation. So um, that was very key, was, was enabling and uh, driving at that uh, psychology of, of pride. And, mm -hmm. and uh, that's where we're, we're trying to have a front-facing community to say, I recycle, we recycle, right. um, and a stamp of, of pride, just the same way you would feel proud or uh, responsible for recycling your, your other household right. goods. Yeah. Love it. I mean, is there anything within that experience of building a tribe, of building community that you could share with our listeners trying to maybe being inspired listening to your other areas in their life wanting to start a movement or get involved in an already existing one? I think start small and be uh, grateful for every single person who adopts whatever it is you're trying to do early on and um, do whatever you can to make them happy. So we, I just, throughout my retail experience, um, I always really, uh, 
I guess, felt most akin to the Nordstrom f- philosophy of mm. uh, customer first. Right. And uh, they bought something somewhere else and they want to return it at Nordstrom. Okay. And and it's it's all around. They're kind of like, aren't they like the, the Zappos of kind of? Yes. Yeah, they were the, the original yeah. Zappos, basically. Right. Yeah. So I, I really abide mm. by the philosophy of um, retention. Just just uh, mm. every person, can, every customer counts, every seller counts, um, every every action towards building the tribe uh, counts, mm. and uh, and just don't take it for for granted. And I think if you and what we uh, achieved early on, and which I think is the key to validating an idea, is we had you know, 100 uh, community tribe members early on that were very excited about what we were doing. And I think if you can feel that excitement from a small community, there's no reason it can't become a big community. Um, so uh, build your tribe one person at a time and, yeah. and be, be grateful for every person that will, will uh, join you because um, they have lots of choices. Yeah, <laughs> increasingly so, isn't that yeah. true? Wonderful. I mean, then, okay, so let's come into to Retitle, and I'd love to know maybe uh, a bit of your personal leadership journey there. And so going from, like you said, being in being large corporates, kind of part of these bigger organizations, um, what did you keep? What did you change? How have you, you know, chosen to lead authentically for you in, in the business that you've created. Yeah, I think I think that was the one of the I guess one of the reasons that I wanted to ultimately lead a company was that um, I think as you're going through the ranks in, in corporate uh, environments or wherever you're working, you tend to dream of what you would do if right. you were <laughs> yeah. if you were in the Ooh. position to yeah. to lead the team that you're currently sitting on. And um, I just tried throughout the whole journey to because I guess I wanted to always be uh, be leading an organization. Was, was that always there? Mm-hmm, was that always? always yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, was from the days in Switzerland. It was yeah, just. just I mean, my parents would say that from a young age. I told them I wanted to be president. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, I mean, it's not. It was. Um, it, it was. I just like the idea of. Um, team and moving towards a goal and I and I um, tried to learn from each of the people that that was leading me throughout my corporate mm. journey and they all had something to give mm. and sometimes you can learn more from what you think of as a, a negative trait than you can from a positive trait but I learned from both mm. um, and I think uh, culture plays such an important role and it has to be, I guess I learned it has to be formed. It, it can otherwise just uh, happen arbitrarily. Can we unpack what culture yeah. means to you? Because I think yeah. culture is one of those words, especially in the age of social media, that yeah. is kind of thrown around. But from, from your understanding, what do you mean by culture? Uh, I would say values and principles. Mm-hmm. So uh, what is uh, permissible and what is applauded? Uh, in a corporate environment, so mm. what um, what do people get accolades for, and what do people get a, a slap on the wrist for, sure. basically? And yeah. I think that that ends ends up being kind of forming culture is, um, yeah, what are people what do people get high fives for, and um, and mm. uh, what and I guess what I found is the what's permissible ends up. Uh, 
creating maybe more of the culture if there's if there's a slight what I would say poison in the culture in terms of non-permissible behavior mm -hmm. that can end up permeating a whole culture because there hasn't there hasn't been those lines or values or principles that have been put in place to right. say this is okay this isn't and this is what we uh, ascribe to right and right. um so yeah I, I don't, i've never actually put that into words so i hope that made sense yeah, but i but good. i do. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> i i just think it has to be conscientious of um mm what are we going to give high fives for intentional, and what, intentional conscious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, conscious and yeah. and uh and just constantly i guess um reforming the the lines and i think you have to do that especially as a startup as you get more and more people on the team is what does the new team size look like and what does the new interaction look like mm. and um how big is your team now uh we're 12 right um yeah yeah fantastic and so, yeah, so we were talking about culture and you were saying like that was a big tenant of what you wanted to focus on starting it up. Were there any other things that you kind of brought in or, or just beyond that? Yeah. How your how has your leadership journey been in, you know, in starting up your business? That is a constant state of change. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh, I don't know. I try I try to lead with intention in terms of mm -hmm. um setting culture but also I I think one of the things that resided with me over my career was um, trying to be consistent uh, and thorough in direction and empowerment to others so I think um, uh, Emotional stability is quite important in leadership. So, Can you say more than that? Because um, <laughs> it's interesting because we're doing a big piece around how did she get there? Yeah. Um, a, a research piece of how do successful women get to where they are yeah. in an organization? So, I'm, I'm, I'm curious as to your take on the emotional side. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how to frame it, but I. I try to remove volatility, I guess, is where I would say I, in terms of leadership style. And actually, my personal style is very much like that, too. I, um, uh, I value uh, consistency, rational behavior, um, and being in a respectful environment. And I think right. I just uh, wanted, if I wasn't existing in a corporate environment like that, I wanted to create one where everyone was treated with, uh, with equal measure and, and respect. Mm. Um, and then uh, in terms of direction and autonomy, I think um, I try to always uh, give the why back to, I guess, your earlier question of why for me, but I also yeah. try to deliver that to team and, and incorporated that in, in leadership style is um, no matter if somebody is an intern or someone more senior, I never like to deliver a task for a task, but rather say this task will lead to this outcome right. and uh, what you're doing is you're participating in this larger um, objective or larger goal. And um, I do think that that really helps. Um, and then uh, I think with a startup, uh, it's a journey, one foot in front of the other and, um, and always trying to also deliver the, the larger objective in terms of what we're building towards mm. um, and and trying to give each person autonomy within the organization to be their own leader and their own um, 
their own builder basically we're all we're building it together and um and yeah everybody's everybody's an entrepreneur basically that's yeah. working in a startup yeah absolutely <laughs> um adopting that entrepreneurial mindset that's interesting because we're doing um an experiment within bridge around teal uh the teal model uh, which is kind of the decentralization of of uh, decision making mm -hmm. the autonomization giving people power to essentially uh, yeah make the decisions that they need to getting rid of hierarchy yeah. um, I'm curious as to how how you've gone about accomplishing that in a I mean in a team no matter the size it's always a challenge um, yeah is there anything any kind of insights as you talk about autonomy, how, how you've actually put that into application? Um, I'm a, I guess I am in a constant state of learning and I always read books about other people's journeys or po listen to podcasts about other people's journeys. And one on this topic that, um, that stuck with me was, uh, and I'm going to forget his name, a Canadian that started Four Seasons. Um, we'll look it up. We'll <laughs> okay. put it in the show notes. So his philosophy on leadership and autonomy was to empower his frontline staff such that if a customer came in and said, I had a bad night's sleep, the pillows were too hard, the this and that and the other thing, the frontline staff, no matter if they were a manager or not, were empowered to, to solve the mm -hmm. situation. And I loved that. I just, and I, I, I think it's uh, a cause of friction with customers is when you feel as though you're coming up against somebody who can't make a decision. And so uh, most of our team is customer facing in one way or another. And so I think a, a big part of uh, giving autonomy was to give the right amount of training. So I think always people feel better in their roles when they're equipped with the, the adequate training. Mm -hmm. um, but then given that authority to say within, so I can't remember what it was with Four Seasons, but it was basically within, I think, a thousand Canadian or US dollars, you have the authority That's to good. solve this problem. And right. if it goes above that amount, then you need to seek um, supervisor help. And so it's a similar philosophy mm -hmm. that we follow is basically you're, you're, each one of you is, is permitted to make decisions to solve this problem uh, up until a point where it's no longer. And I mean, I, I get called upon maybe once every two months uh, for, for anything related to, to a customer That's inquiry amazing. because they're, uh, they're empowered to, to make decisions. And I take it your team's been with you for a while. Yeah. Got, yeah, that sounds good. When you find environments like that where trust exists in the system and empowerment happens, for sure. Well, I think, I, I guess the other thing, back to the things that I appreciate and, and one of the things I have to learn and I'm trying to learn and what we're surveying for internally and also trying to take the temperature on is not everyone's motivated by the same same things. Oh. So even though I love a learning environment or I like like an autonomous work environment, maybe not everyone does. And so I, as a, I, that's part of leadership also is I'm trying to um, understand everyone's different different working styles. But I do think learning is uh, universal. Where if if people don't feel mm. like they're growing and uh, and learning, then then they're they're maybe not operating at their their best. So mm. also having a learning culture is is really important to me. Yeah. Just giving people opportunities to to learn new skills or yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think it would be foolish if we didn't talk kind of what was happening in the wider global system right now with with COVID nineteen happening. Um, 
in this unique time of disruption that I think we're all facing, um, has there been any challenges, opportunities, learns that you, know, you or your business that, that have come out of this that you could kind of, from a change perspective, that you could change or share with listeners? Uh, yeah, we've had we've had to be quite adaptable uh, through this period. So we, like many companies here, did um, basically a work work from home period, mm-hmm. uh, but we touch product. So we were almost non-operational for about three to four weeks. So we're we're an e-commerce company, so we were still able to fulfill orders, but everything basically slowed down for about a, a month period. And at that time you don't know what the future holds and you don't know if there's going to be a state of permanence or semi-permanence for for something like that. So we went from, uh, most of our team is in ops and handling product. uh, And so uh, for them, they had to go to a work from home scenario where they were, uh, they took on tasks that were sort of completely out of their Hmm. realm, whether they were marketing or something else. Um, So we did sort of a restructure like most companies did uh, for, for a period. Um, we've had lots of things happen. Our driver who, who manages our logistics went home to Pakistan for a family holiday and got stuck there. So we very quickly had to adapt our collection and acquisition of inventory. Hmm. So overnight we basically went from collecting at people's homes through our own logistics to third party logistics, um, which has worked out very well. Um, and, uh, like what from a from maybe from a mindset or a, yeah. like uh, a leadership perspective what have, what is what have you had what have you noticed maybe in your own awareness that you've had to dial up or uh, adaptability yeah, yeah I think it's just adaptability and um, and uh, I think also just a next level of empathy because everyone in Hong Kong we're lucky that that things have have gone gone back to a new normal. Um, but particularly when we were in a heightened situation, yeah. everyone was dealing with extra stresses of their families, uh, just just so many extra mm. unknowns and uh, and stresses for everyone in their own lives. So um, I guess acknowledging everyone's personal circumstances and um, and how that would play a role in in their presence to to day to day. Um, yeah, did, so do you you found time or more time to kind of have people share or Yeah, I think we all just slowed down and connected more mm. over that um, period. Yeah, a lot more check-ins I suppose of like how how are you actually today right. and right. what's what's happening with your your family or um, mm. circumstances and yeah, how I guess how anxious are you feeling now? And I did that a lot was just saying what's your present uh, state? Are you, are you feeling very nervous? Are yeah. you okay to come to the office? What's, yeah, I guess just, just those check-ins because mm. if you don't ask, you don't know. Um, yeah, I would say a lot more, a lot more communication. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. Cause I think that's, that is one of the things that I think through our work and our research, we're finding more and more that, that whole thing of, uh, connection isn't the same as intimacy mm-hmm. and so where you could be on back-to-back zoom calls all day just hammering through mm-hmm. the what we call the it the work there's no there's not a lot of us and a lot of me yeah. within that and so yeah finding that time 
to just have those conversations and really check in. I mm -hmm. think that's really important. Nice. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure we could go on. Is there anything else within your your change uh, journey, your personal journey that you think would, that would be uh, helpful to share with our, with our guests? Um, well, I think you asked about broader and future ambition at the beginning. Yeah. Just, yeah. Um, I think that's also a great guiding principle for anyone, whether it's in a mm. corporate environment or entrepreneurial journey is just where do you want to get to? And um, in a corporate environment, I think one of the things I always kept tabs on is do I want it, Do I want my boss's job? And if mm. I didn't, then I, I thought it better to, to go and find a boss's job that I wanted. Right, right. Um, and, and I guess that's also leading from ambition of you, you want to continue on the, on the trajectory, but same with an entrepreneurial journey is what's, what's it leading towards. And I think it, you're, you're mm. constantly doing mini pivots in a, in a startup or in, in any entrepreneurial journey, but but understanding the why of why you started, keeping that near and dear, and then also thinking about what the broader um, mm. context could be and, and the sort of bold goal that you could pursue. And we're doing that step by step, but there's a much uh, bolder goal that, that we could address. And uh, I think we're just at the very beginning, um, but I do think fashion is at a very exciting uh, point right now and mm. and I think that's something that's been a massive change and will be a massive change through COVID is that fashion can't look the same. It just won't look the same right. on the other side of this. Um, and a lot of what's happening is this sh faster shift towards sustainability. Well, you uh, talk about this eco-consciousness as yeah, well, right? Uh, yeah. Just a conscious consumerism of, yeah. okay, do I need it? What am I going to do with it after my mm -hmm. its useful life with me is complete? Mm -hmm. um, thinking about uh, circular life of, of everything. Yeah. Um, supply chain. Supply chain. Yeah. It's just it's all broken mm -hmm. and it needs fixing. And and the the ambition for us is to be fully circular. So we're we're only solving for part of the circularity. Um, which is reuse, yep. um, but then ultimately what we're looking towards and what the whole industry is moving towards mm. is when something is at the end of its reuse life, how can we repurpose it into something useful? Yep. Um, and so that's, that's what we're looking towards with um, temporary use items is mm. how can we, we make them truly circular so that there is zero waste. Um, right. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Ah. Oh. Well, I, you know what? I, I really want to connect back in a bit and hear how that's all going. And because and, I'm sure that will be, well, it's, a, it's always a never ending process when you're working at such scale and dreaming big like that. So um, I think in closing, we always like to ask three questions here um, of if you could give advice to our listeners or not even advice, but a, a, sto a story, an anecdote or anything to help um, how people can change, create positive change for themselves, their businesses that they're running or working within or the communities that they're in, or a wider system change, um, what would you have? What would you share? I think we've touched <laughs> could, on some good could, themes could, through this. Could, could so you can a few different, but I, I would um, revisit one, which is probably why. And, um, 
having that drive decision making is just if you want to be purposeful um, and you want to affect change you need to address a why that is doesn't just sit with you but sits with um, with many and and addressing a problem that that exists for for a large large group and mm. and solve for it if you're the right person to do that um, yeah okay any others <laughs> um, I do think it's really critical to believe in yourself yeah I I I see a lot of people uh, struggle with self-doubt mm. and um, and I just think whatever you can do to reinforce your uh, confidence uh, in a professional and personal uh, circumstance, but surround yourself with the people that that uh, affirm your belief in yourself and uh, and don't waste time working with with people who uh, who bring you down and try to surround yourself. Choose choose companies or choose environments where um, where there's positive positive reinforcement and you uh, you feel valued uh, I think is is very important I would say choose people over money every day mm, that's <laughs> a great one wonderful and the last one is there anything else that stands out I mean for me I don't know if I could answer that the last I, I find that you know stepping into discomfort I think mm -hmm. I know from myself and and probably a lot of listeners out there that you know there's we all know that that's where the growth edge is and yet i think often it can be so easy to stay in complacency to stay in comfort i mean we are creatures of comfort but but the simple act of just starting that of kind of putting yourself where you can be in a space of mild discomfort at least that you'll be in the in the growth process i love that chair earlier for sure Thank you, Sarah. It was a pleasure talking Thank to you. you. So fun. happy that we were able to make this happen. Um, before we go, is there anything else happening in your world, in your business that you'd like to share before we sign off? Do you have any promotions happening? Or? <laughs> we're on promotion every day, so everything yeah. everything at Retickle is between 50 and 90% off every day, so um, no need for, for extra promotion. It's, it's a good yeah. deal every day. Um, no, I would just say in terms of uh, behavior, just think of think of afterlife, think of Retickle if you're a if you're a parent, and um, and just make sure you always always think of the afterlife of everything you're you're using. Fantastic. And you can find Retycle at www.retycle, that's R-E-T-Y-K-L-E.com. Um, and to find more about what Bridge does globally, uh, you can go to bridge-partnership.com. Thanks for listening. And Sarah, thanks again. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us on this episode of the Bridge Breakthrough Podcast. I am your host, Scott Taylor. If you'd like to find out more about Bridge, like I mentioned at the end of this episode, you can find us at www.bridge-partnership.com. Um, please, if you can share this podcast with anyone out there in your network, we are growing our audience and it's people like you that can help us do that. Um, if you know anyone that you think that would be a great uh, guest on this podcast, please do reach out. You can find me on LinkedIn, Scott with a K, Taylor. Thanks again, and we'll see you next episode.